Hello, and welcome to Bartel Radio. I'm Cass Enright, founder of Bartel.com. We're here with Michael Hancock, who is the founder of Denison's Brewery. Um, we're uh, having a beer and chatting at the uh, Independent Boast and Toast event, which is a new event series put on by um, a new company called the Industry SOS. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Cass. Um, I thought um, you know we could just start things off by um, uh, talking about how you got into this business and, and how you got started. Uh, those who are familiar with you know that you've been around for a long time. For Denison's Brewery, you had Denison's The Pub down on Victoria Street. Right. Uh, how, did, um, how did you get into it? How, that, how did all that get started? How did I get into the brewing industry? Uh, sure. I guess I have to start that way. Um, I graduated um, in England as a mechanical engineer, and my mother was Canadian. My father was half Canadian, so there was always the opportunity to consider Canada as another place to start my life. And I decided to do that in 1976. And I got a job through some connections uh, with, with Molson, Molson's Brewery Ontario, Toronto, in 1976, as, a, as their first energy and environmental engineer. Because it was a very topical thing at the time, the, um, the Arab oil embargo and all that kind of stuff. Big, big companies needed to get somebody on who could somehow uh, analyze their energy use. Uh, and that's what I did. Started in 76, uh, did that for three or four years, then that became provincial, then it became national. I was in charge of all the breweries across Canada for a very limited field, obviously, in sure. environmental. And then I did a, um, uh, a training program called the production training program which means you're put into every single job in the brewery um, you, you can imagine in production plus uh, it didn't matter what shift you do midnight shift afternoon shift or whatever for a period of about three years and that was absolutely fascinating and that's when I realized that I was more interested in brewing than engineering um, we ended up parting after that. I think they found out that I was not a person that would be a good fit with a large company. <laughs> and I was glad to find that out too. So the next step was um, to put myself privately through the Siebel Institute program, which I did in 1987. Um, and. Uh, I did that. We had a lot of fun down there in Chicago. While I was there, I was contacted by some people that I had met earlier on in the uh, 80s um, in Germany who put together small brew pubs, uh, as well as uh, their, their main business, which was a brewery, and that, that company was called Kaltenberg. That, um, that takes us through to 1987. And I was asked to because of my engineering background, I think, and the fact that I was interested in brewing, I was asked to be the brewer and a founding brewer in this brew pub that Kaltenberg, or the principal of Kaltenberg, whose name was uh, Leutpold Prince von Bayern, um, he had invested with a number of other people in, in, in this uh, group that were going to develop a building in Toronto and put a brew pub in, and they wanted me to be the founding brewer 
and I we opened finally in um, November of '89, and uh, made a bunch of different German beers, German-style beers. The wheat beer was it was introduced the first summer of uh, so that would have been summer of 1990, and then we. Um, basically made we never we never made more than three or four styles at a time it's basically because we had three or four taps yeah but um, I never wanted to have the very diverse or the very large numbers of beers on tap at any one time that, that some of the American brew pubs were doing at the same time where you had 12 beers but they were all variations all of a different flavor yeah. or fla same flavor different colors kind of now did did you um did you want to do the German style beers, or was that kind of based on the mandate of the the, the owners at the time? Uh, that's interesting. I never really, I never really got into the British beer scene. I was a student in England, obviously. Um, funnily enough, I think we used to spend more of our money at university on drugs than we did on beer. <laughs> that's beer, known to happen. I mean, beer was quite expensive. Yeah. Going down to the pub. No, pubs were pubs were things that students didn't really tend to hang out in in England. They were much more of a extension of the living room. They were of the average working person or the average local person. And it was just not a great environment for students to go into. So we did most of our drinking at home and other activities, as I've already mentioned but uh, anyway I never really got into the British beer scene and so coming over here I'd had my experience with Molson and I'm not quite sure at what stage but I felt I had this affinity for, for German beer the fact that I was now working for a German brewing group sure. who were not not um, we were not producing Kaltenberg beers under license at the brew pub I have to stress that it was the owner of Kaltenberg who had a private investment, and we were making beers that were similar. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the fact of the matter is that I, I do enjoy German European style beers. It's no question. Mm -hmm. Probably more so than heavily hopped IPAs. Heavily hopped North American versions of IPAs. That's, so they all have their place. Obviously. That's fair enough. So, fast forward to, I guess. Early 2000s, the uh, restaurant uh, closes, and uh, you decide to go off and uh, continue brewing on your own. Um, how how did you uh, how did that go? Um, we had a bit of warning. I mean, we knew that restaurant was going to close after the fifth year. We were open for 13 years. <laughs> um, so it was no surprise. We, we were in a very high rent situation that was actually of our own doing. It was not the landlord's necessarily. What the landlord did is make sure that we kept paying high, the high rent that we started. So um, we always wondered how long we'd last. There were big numbers involved. So I, I guess there was, it was not a huge surprise that we closed. Um, so I'd always had in my mind a plan to continue brewing those beers off-site. And that's exactly what I did when we closed. Uh, I had always actually had my eye on the distillery district long before Mill Street ever came around. Um, we couldn't do a deal with the landlord at the time. 
they were hard to deal with and then subsequently that, that whole site changed hands and that's when they started to open it up to the concept that we have today. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's, that's the reason I had the Mill Street connection and I then used their equipment to produce, with me brewing, uh, to produce the wheat beer, which I always felt was the most unusual but the most popular beer we made. Um, and then at, at a later stage, I'd say about a year later, there was big demand for the Donkel. And so uh, simultaneously I'd run out of capacity at Mill Street. So I got in touch with Ken Woods, who actually had used to, he'd, he'd worked for me at the brew pub. Yeah. Uh, he was a server and a very good one for many years. Um, anyway, he'd put together Black Oak in Oakville. Mm -hmm. And we, we agreed to produce the beer there as well. So first of all, it was the wheat beer and then ultimately the Donkel. Sadly, we had to stop producing the Donkel in the last six months because we need as much capacity as we can for the wheat beer. And this has been a, this is a big problem, is finding enough capacity to make, make the beer. Sure. But it's my own doing. As they say, you, you make your bed, you have to lie in it, you know. So you're, uh, you know, in the time since you've uh, been brewing on your own path, uh, post the Denison's Brew Pub, I'd say that the accolades on, on the beer have been quite high. The internet age, there's, I think you are number one wheat beer, German wheat beer on rate beer, and you know, recently uh, I awarded you a, a special Golden Tap Award for sort of like a lifetime achievement um, that was uh, agreed upon through the editor circle that I had assembled. What do all these things sort of mean to you? Um, sort of uh, when you look back on your, your time well, in the industry. The ratings and everything are a source of great pleasure to me and, and obviously unexpected awards. Um, unfortunately, they tend to make my wife say, I told you so, you know, why on earth don't you have a large brewery cranking out these beers? Well, it's not as simple as that, obviously. Um, I tried to do licensing deals with larger breweries. I have looked at properties. Um, I'm a little bit picky, unfortunately, for my own good. Um, I've even thought of acquiring breweries, but it hasn't happened yet. But I guess the rate beer awards are a source of some comfort. And as I said, I very much enjoyed the award you gave me during, during the summer. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I, I once heard somebody say, and I've never forgotten it, it's quite recently, that the only people who talk about the ratings of their products or the awards they've got are those that don't sell very much. And, you know, those whose sales are not high. And I guess there's some truth to that. Um, but, you know, if I'm not making a lot of the beer for one reason or another, it is at least as I say, a great comfort that it is well regarded and amazingly enough you know, to have the wheat beer still be number one since 2002 I find absolutely staggering. Um, I put freshness, I think freshness is a key factor there with the rate beer. Uh, in, in many ways my small size has helped my ratings because uh, a disproportionately small number of people have tasted my beer in bad condition. It's, it's very hard to get it in, in bad shape. Yeah. Well, um, it's a 
It's a great beer. I know uh, I've been a, a big fan for uh, a lot of years. And thank you. I hope you keep it up. So uh, on that note, Michael, I thank you for your time. And uh, it's been nice chatting with you today. It's been great chatting with you, Cass, too. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Yeah.